Thank you for listening to the JT and Looney podcast, episode 106. Powered by Bet Online, your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new, updated, fresh, zesty desktop or mobile website. Sign up today. Get your 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit. Use the promo code BELIEVE50. You got to use that promo code to get the JT and Looney 50% welcome bonus. Believe, B-L-E-A-V-50, B-L-E-A-V-50, and get your bonus. Basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, all your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season at Bet Online. Fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, Bet Online, where the game starts. And now the podcast starts. 106. Ladies and gentlemen, Three Dog Night. Well, I never been to Spain. Wow, now, now. But I kind of like the music. This meeting is being recorded. I like it. Good morning. When I was a kid, I got um, a cassette recorder for Christmas. One of the Well, first of all, it was a reel-to-reel one Christmas, but... I would use it so much. Almost every Christmas afterwards, I would get a cassette recorder. And a lot of times there would be an album that would come with it. And one year it was Three Dog Night, naturally. And another one, Three Dog Night, Golden Biscuits. And my mother turned me on to the music of Three Dog Night. And I'm thankful she did. Do you have any childhood memories of the first time you were turned on to some rock and roll music? And I know it wasn't your dad. Because he was listening uh, to Robert Goulet. <laughs> he was listening he... to a lot of unique things as he was doing tax returns from Camelot, from Camelot, which which is really a big deal. Camelot, the musical, right? Would go through the house. Barbara Streisand was played. We evolved to Barry Manilow, and uh, that. Wow. But you know, rock and roll. How did, how did you end up straight? <laughs> great question. Phenomenal question. Uh, wow. You know, early rock and roll to me, you know, started at 14, 15, 16. And, uh-huh. you know, it was Charlie Daniels band. It was Leonard wow. Skinner. It was Southern rock mixed in with the uh, background of my youth, Billy Joel, because I'm from Massapequa. He's from oh, the town. Yeah. Oh, God. Over. Tremendous. And all talent. of that. And early, early high school Grateful Dead, early Grateful Dead, which I was wow. very lucky. I went home which we'll get into. And I bumped into one of my old childhood friends and it was like, we were sitting in a bar together and we came right back to, we were 15, 16 years old and discovered the grateful dead one summer. So it all started uh, when I started discovering the woods and building forts and wearing (laughs) denim coats with fur. So that all brings like the smell of smoke in in the woods and a fire in the pit. It all comes back to that. But I'm happy the podcast got a three dog night mention. That's a first. Oh, yeah. You know, and I don't think about them often enough, but every once in a while, one of their songs will go through my head. I'll pick it. You know, when I do an Instagram story, I try to pick a three dog night song when I remember to do it. And I don't and my mother didn't have any. My mother mostly uh, not all that different from your dad must have been a generational thing. The music she listened to sometimes was soundtracks of movies born free uh it was stuff like that oh i i I did grow up to she she did she was a fan of herb albert and the tijuana brass so i did have some really 
good music in terms of that uh, growing up in the house. The, the, she had the soundtrack from The Sound of Music. But of some, somehow I ended up becoming a Three Dog Night fan because of the cassettes. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't mention I'm surprised you didn't mention comedy albums because you're a big comedy guy and comedy albums when we were kids were big and now everybody's not allowed to say that they listen to the greatest comedy of all time with albums Bill Cosby no one's allowed to admit that anymore we have to scrub that and I'm not by no means am I a Cosby fan of his behavior and, and what put him in jail and then consequently got him out of jail but people listen to comedy albums in the 60s, 70s, 80s, around the clock. That was big where I was from. Comedy albums could change a comedian's life the way that being on Johnny Carson could change a comedian's life back then. And to put us to bed, growing up on that house on Huffman Street that I grew up in, my mother, who had to do the job of two because my dad died young, would put us to bed with Bill Cosby albums. I started out as a child, 200 miles per hour. Uh, to my brother Russell, whom I slept with, uh, we, had the, we had a great collection of Bill Cosby comedy albums. So you're right, and then eventually that turned me on to getting my own albums with, with money I made, you know, mowing lawns. And uh, it was I would get uh, Steve Martin and George Carlin. Right. I got George Carlin's Class Clown, and my mother wasn't a big fan of uh, foul language. But she did like that I was listening to something so intelligent, so she let me keep it. And, yeah, I get comedy albums. And, and Bill Cosby did have a great comedic influence on me. The way he handled the microphone was different from other comedians. In the way He would use it as a sound effect. And he, he was terrific. Oh, my God. And it's just, isn't it strange how so many of the great athletes and entertainers of our youth, from Bill Cosby to O.J. Simpson and coaches, Joe Paterno, and these different legends went down in flames. And back in that time for entertainment, as you talk about soundtracks and comedy albums, the biggest one of all for young boys was Playboy magazine. Oh, so kids, my God. no generation, no generation will ever know, ever know again what it takes to hide a Playboy, to have one in the house, to hide it from your parents, to wonder where it is, where'd you leave it? No one will ever remember what that was like. That was something oh. that's going to be wiped out for generations You're to right. come with young boys and all get, around the world. And to get kicked out of the drugstore, we used to have these little drugstores <laughs> that they would call drugstore. They've now uh, scrubbed that. <laughs> and you, we could go to the drugstore at Langdon Plaza and try to get a peek at those magazines, Playboy, Penthouse, Wee, and uh, until the woman working behind the counter, you know, kicked the little boys out. And here is a great uh, financial tragedy, JT, is when my, my, we had this in our, in our restroom at the house on Hoffman, we had this, uh, this little tiny little cupboard that was about six or seven feet in the air that only a very tall man like my father could reach. He was six, three. And so, so my mother never ever went in there cause you'd have to get a ladder. My mother never opened it. Then when I was tall enough to reach it, when I was a teenager, 16, I reached up and what's in there. It was the original copy of the Marilyn Monroe playboy. My father, who was young and grow and uh, you know, and getting his life together, probably bought that as an investment, right? 
Probably a great idea, boys. This will be worth something someday. Good call, Dad. And I took it and showed it to my friends. I don't even know whatever happened to it. Speaking of the house on Hoffman, I just got back and said goodbye to the house on Utica Avenue. And I've been dying to talk about this on the JT and Looney podcast. So it's I'm not an expert on anything. I'm not. I I don't claim (laughs) to be an expert on anything, but I am an expert on home and what it's like to have a home and a great home as a young kid growing up with my sisters on North Utica Avenue in North Massapequa, New York. And my parents recently sold the house. It's the only home that they ever owned. They bought it for $19,500 years ago, 59 years ago. And I will leave the sales price off the podcast, but they did very well. They should. (laughs) They did very well. And they should. And I planned on going back to say goodbye to the house and obviously spend time with my parents, which as we've talked about on this podcast is becoming a bigger and bigger priority in my life. It should be whenever you're on the other side of the country and your parents are in their eighties, it's gotta be the priority, not a podcast, not a radio show, not the Raiders. It's gotta be that. So my father decided to get hip replacement surgery at the age of 83 at a bad hip from just being a great athlete. And, you know, he was having trouble just getting around with his hips. So he scheduled the surgery and then it got pushed back by a couple of weeks. And then when it got pushed back by a couple of weeks, I already had the plane ticket months in advance. So I was coming in anyway to go see and say goodbye to the house. So I came home and I flew from Vegas to New York JFK. And my cousin Gino picked me up and we took a car ride to my sister's house in New Paltz, New York, where there's a SUNY school there. When my, my, when my dad is rehabbing from his hip surgery. So right out of the gate, I knew I would never say goodbye to my boyhood house with my mom and dad in it anymore because they were going to be rehabbing that my dad was up and my sisters. So spent a couple of days with them, had a great visit. Then my cousin Gene took me back to my house, had a dinner with 12 of my best friends that I grew up with from kindergarten, first wow. grade. And then that last night, my cousin Gene slept over because he had to take me to the airport in the morning and we ordered a pizza and some beer and we sat in the home and it was the final night I ever spent in my house that I grew up with, with every memory. I walked from the basement one last time to my parents' room to get a look at the house, to just bring in the smell. They're moving. So boxes were around the house and walked around and did a lap around the outside of the house. And uh, it was emotional. It was very emotional to experience something like that. I don't know if any of our listeners ever have because now we're moving and moving and moving more and more right my sons who are 20 and 18 they grew up in sherman oaks they lived in vegas now we have this house in vegas and they'll have that experience hopefully with this house but i don't know when i'm going to move again so i just wanted to share with everybody i got to experience something that i've never experienced before it was emotional it wasn't as emotional as i thought because my parents weren't there with me and my sisters right but i had some alone time in that house to say goodbye and when the car left to take me to laguardia airport on the friday at 3 30 in the morning i locked the door i hid the key in the garage and gino drove out and i looked behind me and there it was i'm sure i'll visit north utica avenue later on in life but it'll never be the same again tom yeah, just you'll visit it to show somebody from a car and you won't be able to go in. It'll never be like the day that you had. 
And, you know, it's one of those things that you don't realize when you're a kid. There are so many wonderful things that happen, I hopefully, for um, the person listening, too, when you're a kid. But it doesn't happen as often, uh, unfortunately, to, to as many kids as it does to you and me, that you're not thankful when you're growing up that you live in the same house. You just take it for granted that you're going back to the same house uh, with parents who still are married together and live in it. Uh, I didn't have that situation because my dad died young, but I had an pr- intact family in terms of extended family and grandparents and cousins and everyone who lived in the same houses and was at the same places, that comfort zone that we had. And the coaches, and your dad was one of your coaches, but there are others that you don't realize are barely getting paid or not getting paid. My great Pop Warner coach, Jay Palmer, was a state trooper. But he was there at every practice Monday through Friday, and sometimes we practiced on Saturdays too. And, like, how did he find the time? How come he never took a day off, you know, from coaching us kids? And the people that put in their time and the stability that was uh, provided to you and me in our lives, the th- you're not thankful for when you're a kid. And if we can provide any sense of stability for our kids that uh, – that they don't even know what's good for them and how good it is for them. It's great if you can do that, and it's great your parents were able to do that. Well, what was interesting about saying goodbye to the home was, for me, it had to happen. You know, this had oh, to happen. yes, of course. Yeah, if I didn't do this, I would have been devastated. And again, right. there were a lot of moving parts. But when I left the house, and, and the day and a half that I had there, uh, mostly alone in the house, it's really interesting because of the memories. My grandmother on my mom's side lived with us for quite some time in the house. So it brought back memories of her. It brought back unbelievable memories of Thanksgiving where my grandfather on my dad's side would cook these massive Thanksgiving meals and end up teaching his daughter-in-laws how to get in the kitchen and prepare those meals. And that came flooding back. I mentioned the times where my cousins and I would be in the main den and we'd be watching the master's and Jack Nicholas early on in life or baseball games together because my cousins were such a big part of that house. We were the first people on our block to have a really big built-in swimming pool. And I remember it like it was yesterday when my dad decided to put it in and it was built and I was walking around the house and it was covered up now because of the months and not late October and the pool cover was on. I thought about the times we took the pool cover off and (laughs) and that diving board in the corner and all that. And, you know, it's just, I think I thought of the dogs, right? This is like really important. I thought of the dogs that I had in those houses uh, growing up as a kid. So all of that really, really hit me hard because I moved away from home. And I pretty much, I went to college at the age of 17. I came back. I started working as a broker. And then after that, I moved out West. So I moved away at a very young age. And a lot of those trips back home to North Massapequa were really important because I was either going through a new stage in my life as a sports radio host, or I was with this girlfriend back there before my wife, or it was something unique that you remember when you're a kid and a young adult. And the point I'm making, it was all grounded by that home. You know, and I know people now when they go home, they they check into hotels or they they stay with other people because they don't have right. that home. And that's going to happen to me now. I still got my aunt and uncle there. I got cousins. Of course, I have a place to stay, but it'll never be the same as getting off 
of the Southern State Parkway at that exit in North Massapequa on Broadway and seeing the firehouse there on the right, making the right on Utica, pulling up in anticipation of seeing my mother and father, who I didn't see for six months or four months or whatever it was, and then the neighbors coming over and all that. That is such a part of who I am. That is such a part of my life. That is the reason I am where I'm at today with my wife and my kids today. It was all because I was grounded with a home that I had that was really stable and important to me my entire life. It's interesting you mentioned the swimming pool and certain things, and I'm sure that was a center of social activity for a long time and really exciting for so many of your friends and so many of your neighborhood friends and childhood friends. We had a similar situation in that our house was small and modest, but it had a really large driveway with a two-car garage uh, because it was a small apartment upstairs, which um, which we would rent out. And so it was, I guess we'd call that a duplex. Anyway, um, and we had this basketball court in the backyard because it was, and it was a perfect size because it was a two-car garage and a basketball court with you know, with black top, as we called it, paved driveway. And uh, my my grandmother and grandfather put up this hoop, which became the center of activity, like your pool, became the center of activity for the neighborhood for my entire childhood, even from when I was too small to play with everyone else because my brother was older. In addition to that, though, with great pickup games in the backyard with neighbors and my next door neighbor, who was a girl, was the best basketball player in the entire neighborhood. And she went on to play at o- uh, to, to play at Cortland State and then went on to coach at Oklahoma. Wow. She was a big time Division One college basketball coach. And so that but also that Zen activity in your uh, your teenage angst years, which I'm sure the pool provided for you and the social activity that the pool provided you, the basketball court provided me where you didn't need to have six friends to go out. You didn't have any You could go out with that Zen activity and hit your free throws and say three, two, one loony for the win. Just have great moments alone. I have a JT and Looney podcast exclusive. Oh, great. I am holding this document, which is an old letter that is in plastic. So to wrap up going home and saying goodbye to my home, they left me things for me to take home, which was pretty important. Because my sisters have been going back and forth, and a lot of the stuff in the house has already passed down to the kids and the grandkids and the cousins. I don't want the hutch. I don't want the coffee table, you know that. So there's nothing there that I didn't get my hands on and put in the corner (laughs) that I desperately wanted. My dad left me my boyhood aluminum bat. Wow. And he left me something that I, you know, I'm pretty emotional about. He left me a medal that he got in high school at Bayside high school, 700 kids, the number one athlete, only one to receive it. It's a medal. looks like a medal a general would wear a small medal, which is really cool. I'll frame that. And a couple of things unique things that he saved over the years about me. But all of a sudden on the pile, I see this letter. And I said, oh my God, this is the letter I wrote my mom and dad when I left. Oh, wow. I left because at that time I left, I was a stockbroker. And if you saw the movie Boiler Room or Wolf of Wall Street, you'll have a better backstory about what that lifestyle was like. And, you know, being a stockbroker for four or five years, it felt like I did it for 30 years because it was so intense and it was such a, tough job and there was such a social life wrapped behind it so me and my best friend jimmy baxter when we decided to move out west we were going to move to san diego 
another pivotal moment in my life in this house on Utica Avenue was waiting for Jimmy to pick me up and saying goodbye. And my parents and, you know, they were shocked because Jimmy and I both told our parents that we were leaving pretty quickly. Right. We let this brew for three or four months. This is something we thought about. And finally, we were going. So I wrote this letter and I left this letter for him on the kitchen table and they saved this letter over 30 years. And it was with my stuff. So they wanted me to have it. It says, mom and dad, take care. I'm going to miss you very much. It's hard for me to express myself, but leaving hurts a lot. I hope you both understand that this is something I need to do and has nothing to do with you. You've been the best and I owe everything to both of you. I will always try to make you proud of me and even earn your respect. Family means everything to me. And I now realize this more than ever. The best is yet to come for me. And I'll make sure you both are a part of it. Love, John. And, Terrific. Oh, my God. You know, and how, how lucky am I to have this letter and for my parents to save it? And, and how old were you? Oh, that's a good question. I think I had to be at this time, you know, 25. Okay. Yeah, 25 nice. or uh, 26 years old. And, you know, and to have this and to be able to look at it, it was really cool to see. And to it. have the forethought, you know, when you're at a selfish age, uh, you uh, to have the forethought to write the letter. Yeah, really, I think it really was really important. Nice I, I didn't communicate great at that stage of my life. Not that I'm a great communicator off the radio or on the radio or on the well, podcast, the, the irony but, is you have made your money at, at being a communicator. <laughs> the irony is I said the best is yet to come for me. I mean, this right. was a big moment in my life because this was I'm all in. I'm leaving. Right. It was, hey, I'm going to go give it a shot out west, which I hope a lot of people who are listening understand this when their kids do it or if they're younger and listening, they get to that point in this, their life where it's time to go wheels up, as we like to say, wheels up. We're right. gone. And, you know, write it down, write it down, write a note about that moment in your life. And, you know, if you're lucky enough to have that piece of paper years later, you can look back on it and reflect. But it was interesting because I had to travel. So I left New York and I traveled to Oklahoma. So I'm leaving, I'm leaving LaGuardia airport. My flight's at 6 a.m. And I'm walking through with just the bag that I have because I was going from oh, Vegas. So, not, so now you're fast forwarding back to 2021. Okay. Yeah, now right. it's 2021 and I'm, go I'm leaving New York with this bag of stuff and my carry on luggage to go to Oklahoma to see my son. Because my wife and I met in there. My wife came from Vegas and we met my son. We went to the Oklahoma football game last weekend and I had all this stuff in a pile in the room. And this is stuff that I'm going to pass down to my son and my son's somewhere mm -hmm. down the road. And I had it on my shoulder getting off the plane in Norman, Oklahoma, in Oklahoma City going to Norman. So I just wanted to share on the podcast that this was a big chapter of my life that wrapped up. And again, I'll be seeing my parents and my cousins the rest of my life. I'll be back, but I won't be back in that same atmosphere. And then to rivet and be right there in Oklahoma with a red solo cup at a fraternity tail <laughs> for Oklahoma with my arm around my son's shoulder with all of his friends. There was some type of closure that went on that I don't know where I am with, but it was cool. It was, it was a great moment. It was a great weekend, and I'm happy I was able to share that with well, you. Well, yeah, it was a chapter in one way, at least the chapter with that house that you're closing and a new chapter with your son in college and going to those games, which is really cool. And, and one of those things, too. Oh, where are your parents moving? 
they're going to be spending a little bit of time up in New Paltz, where my uh -huh. sister is, and then most more time in Naples, Florida. Oh, wow. So the good news okay. on this is I had the feeling trips, that the answer was Florida. Yeah, these trips and these good times coming forward with my parents, a lot of them is going to be with my sisters down in Florida in Naples and nothing against North Massapequa. Right. That I love other than the fact that Alec Baldwin's from there and he's in the news. Oh, yes. Is that, oh, he's in the news. Is that uh, I'll be spending a lot of time in Naples, Florida on these quick little hiatuses playing golf with my dad and uh, hanging out down there in beautiful Florida with the Gulf and getting in the water and their, their retirement community where they're living. And that'll be even more great. Well, you're also at a point in your life where a lot of people, at least where I grew up too, Elmira, New York, right near nothing on the uh, Pennsylvania border in upstate New York area code six Oh seven shout out. Uh, I do have quite a number of friends who have no reason to go back to Elmira. Their parents have either moved or passed on, mostly moved to Florida or, or to warmer climates. And, uh, so that has that I, I do have a lot of friends who have gone through what you're going through. My brother, my mother, my sister-in-law still live in the 607. So I get to go back, see my childhood home, which we rent out. But my mother still owns. And it's um, it, it, there is that moment in a lot of people's lives where there's no reason, no immediate reason for immediate family to go back to their hometown. And now you're that guy. I am that guy. Yeah. Two big sports topics, two big ones. Let's jump right in and get to them. First off, I'm amazed at the view I have. The view I have just this year, my 23rd year with the Raiders, front row to the Gruden resignation and the Washington football team emails, front row to losing, not losing Gruden as a friend, but losing him as the coach and hosting the coach's show and everything I had, which was really important to me. And the Henry Ruggs, the third car accident, which happened three miles from my house, mm. this young superstar, and I mean, superstar, his career got off to a slow start rookie season. He got COVID, he got injured, but this year he was fabulous with Derek Carr. So as you know, by now he, the Raiders were on bye week last week, they're coming off bye week. The last night the players have before they're off bye week, he's out with the mother of his child visiting some venues here in town. He's driving at 3.39 in the morning on residential streets, going 157 miles an hour. Let that sink in. With a gun in the car, in a brand new 2020 vet Corvette, which he has no idea how to drive. Little kid from Alabama who came from nothing. And he gets into an accident, kills a 23-year-old woman, 23-year-old woman with a dog in the car, fiery explosion, can't get her out. This woman's life is over. Henry Ruggs' career is over. He's going to jail for this. This is a fatality accident. He was under the influence, twice the legal limit. And this young man, I was the first to interview him, first to interview him the night he was drafted on the draft show. His life is destroyed. He killed an innocent girl and her dog. And it could have been prevented. All he had to do was leave that gorgeous, tricked out, look like something from a Batman movie, Corvette in the parking lot of Top Golf or wherever he was, and go, I'll get it tomorrow. I'm a multimillionaire. On top of that, every NFL player has a, a number in their phone, which is a no questions asked number. All you have to do is call it, 
any time of day, anywhere, and someone will immediately come and pick you up. They won't ask you a question about your clarity, what you're under the influence of. There won't be a word said, part of the union, and they will take you home. He didn't do any of that, and he killed another human being. It's one of the reasons why I hope the message doesn't get lost on anybody of any age about don't drink and drive. The number one reason, and we've talked about this quite often, it's because it's not bad people who do it. It's good people who, who, who do it and have done it, including me. And you, you don't want to be known for the rest of your life as a bad guy or, the, or, spend, or go to jail. You don't want to be known for the rest of your life or, or take someone else's life and their dog. You don't want to kill anybody and you don't want to be known for that for the rest of your life, especially if you're a good person. You don't want to be known as being a horrible person by your worst mistake for the rest of your life. And that's exactly what's happening. To him. Great point, because I've talked to several people. I didn't know Henry Ruggs well, but I've met him and I've talked to several people who have texted me about him and all I'll just sum it up in five texts. Five texts I got, one from a restaurateur, one from a coach, one from a friend of a friend. All, they all say the same thing. What a great kid. He was nothing but great. I loved the kid, all of that. And now it's over because he made, you know, he made a decision. And you can't, you can't say mistake anymore on the radio. I know. Because yeah. these fucking assholes, they all come at you. You can't say he made a mistake, right? Because it's beyond a mistake. Right. It's the worst decision. It's a yeah, tragedy. The mistake is spilling the milk. Yeah, at the kitchen but, but again, we live with words now. Everybody right. gets so yep. hurt if you say something that isn't right. Henry Ruggs III is 22 years old. I have a 20-year-old, 20-year-old son. He's 22. The moral of the story is you can be a great person. There are a lot of people when it comes to DUIs mm -hmm. and these decisions who are great people who made that decision and it ruined their life. And usually if you rob a bank, say you rob a bank, you've been thinking about robbing a bank, right? right you probably right. Ran, you probably stole some candy early on in life. <laughs> you cheated on your taxes and then you got to robbing a bank. So you probably weren't a good person to begin with, but there are a lot of great people who just can't come to grips with one decision. Well, really two, they start the night with their car. No need to start the night with the car. Right. Wife and I are going to the Rolling Stone Saturday night. There isn't a car involved in the whole night. There's right. a driver picking us up. There's a driver taking us home. There's not even a thought of a car that night. But the biggest mistake, Tom, and you've made it, I've made it in the past, we've all made it, is you walk to that car at the end of the night. You're walking to it, and in Vegas, you're like, oh, man, it's in the valet. If I leave it another day, it's another 24 bucks. If I don't get it tomorrow, I'm going to have to pay another 12 hours. I can drive. I can get, I can yeah. do it. It's not that far. I only got to make a right, two lefts. I'll take the side. Our testosterone and our ego tells us I can drive. I'm feeling good. Yeah, I, I'll yeah. take the side street like Henry Ruggs III. I won't yeah. go on the freeway. And this kid went 157 miles an hour because he was street. under the influence. Yeah. So it's over. Oh, oh, and nothing. Again, the most important thing here is the tragedy to the 23-year-old and their of family. Of course. Of course. From a football perspective, I, along with other people, now have to talk about the Raiders losing a first pick in the history of their franchise in Vegas. Kidder was having a great year. And here we go with Derek Carr.
who lost his mentor and coach in John Gruden, lost his number one deep target, who was really coming into his own. The Raiders are five and two. And I'm looking at the glasses half full on this one. I think that this has the opportunity to galvanize this team and say it's us against the world. We'll see what happens four or five podcasts from now, Tom, if the Raiders were able to use this as a galvanizing moment, as a positive, or this really hurt the team because a lot of guys are affected. Yeah, they haven't lost since their coach left, and now they have to uh, deal with this. And you're right. It, it uh, is as it from a, a team. They together had to go through two incredibly emotional issues, and it will bond them together. That's what football is all about. You do it as a team, and they went through this as a team. Everyone had to go through a roller coaster of issues with the coach, and now with this. And I, I agree with you with, with this type of sport, you know, we probably overuse the word chemistry, but in football, it's more important than anything because everyone's got a job to do. That's why even coworkers are all, uh, who, who played football, even high school football or Pop Warner football are always better coworkers. They understand the concept of teamwork. And, and, and I agree with you. That'll probably happen. And just so it's this year, what a front seat that you've had, as you mentioned, as you as we bookend this. What a front seat that you've had. Not always a front seat that you wanted. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Again, it's something uh -huh. that I have not I have not absorbed. The last three to four weeks right. as a broadcaster, doing a national show and a local show on an NFL flagship station, I will sit on a beach at some point when this all ends and try to absorb what I've seen. And what I know on and off the record here and, and try to figure out how it affected me, because a lot of this has been very emotional. Aaron Rodgers lied to us. He said he was immunized. That wasn't the question. Right. And he was smart enough to know the answer. He was smart enough to go into that press conference and know the question was coming. And he, he took a chance. He said to himself, I'm going to go in. I've been the off-season topic by everyone. Am I going to quit? Am I going to retire? Am I going to hold out? Turns out he comes back. Everybody notices he looks different. He looks really gaunt. Oh, he was on a yoga cleanse in Hawaii. He's dating a movie star. He's a little bit different. He's growing his hair out. He just doesn't look the same. What is he doing? He's acting a little spacey, a little earthy, more so. And then he gets to that press conference, and the wolves are at the door. And they ask him if he's vaccinated. And he says, I'm immunized. And then goes on to say, for the guys who are not vaccinated, you know, he's not going to comment. He supports all of that. He was talking about himself. Yeah. He was setting this up. So the point becomes now, this is such a fascinating topic. Where was the Green Bay media that day with the follow-up? Like Tom Looney with Floyd Mayweather. Where was the follow-up? where someone in that room said, no, 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 Aaron, no, no. Are you vaccinated for COVID-19? If that follow-up question was asked, we all would have known he wasn't vaccinated coming into the season. Then he's got the balls not to have the mask on during the Packers mandatory weekly press conferences, the post-game press conferences on the road, all of this. He knows he's breaking the rules, in my opinion. And Jay Glazer, Adam Schefter, Mike Florio, no one knew 
week one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We got to wait till week nine, Tom, where he fails a COVID test to know this now. What the hell's going on here? Yeah, a couple of great questions to unwrap there that you said. First of all, you left out one important word. They said, have you been vaccinated for COVID-19? He said, yes, I've been immunized. So yes, comma create a situation where they might not the bell might not go off that there needs to be a follow-up because he said the word yes yes is the antonym for what the answer is the answer is no but he, he said yes i've been immunized so by putting the yes in front is what makes it a flat out lie and what is amazing to me is in some parts of this country in order to have your nails done or to get chicken wings. If I want to get chicken wings at the Greyhound on Figueroa, great chicken wings there. I got when I walk in and I'm, a lot of times I get them to go. I, I grab a beer at the bar as I wait for the chicken wings. I got to show my COVID-19 passport that I've been immunized. Uh, and so I got to show I got to prove that I've been vaccinated to get my chicken wings at the Greyhound, but in order to play in the NFL, they're just going to take your word? Well, what's fascinating about this, the NFL, this is why this is such a big story going forward. By the time you're downloading the podcast and sharing it with your friends, we should have more clarity on this. The NFL was aware that the NFL was aware that he was not vaccinated for COVID at the start of the season. That's what fascinates me because the NFL claims, the NFL claims They didn't leak the John Gruden emails, right? They said that. But all of a sudden, they started getting leaked and leaked. And John Gruden lost his career out here in Vegas. And one NFL team was affected, as we covered, for something that happened with the Washington football team. You're telling me that Aaron Rodgers was not vaccinated. The league was aware of it. The Packers were aware of it. How in God's name did that not leak? And let me clarify that. How come a player didn't tell their wife who told a girlfriend and another girlfriend and the girl at the dry cleaning and the bartender in Appleton, Wisconsin, and everybody knew and said, you know, Aaron's in the building wearing a mask, but he's not wearing a mask on the sidelines or at the press conferences. And my buddy plays for the team and he knows that Aaron's not vaccinated. How did that not leak? Are these like China nuclear secrets? How do, how do we not know about this with local beat writers radio host he does an appearance every week on the pat mcafee show which is very good on sirius xm where i work and it's more of a loose conversation there i'm assuming pat didn't know about this his teammate aj hawk who's on that show how did he keep this from us tom i need to know that answer why weren't we aware of this it really ends up being bad for him this is bad public relations of course there are some people who will like it but it's uh it's it's there's no way you can spin it in a positive way. And you're right. It's fascinating that it was it was kept secret. You know, if you go back in the hot tub time machine, there was always that rumor that back in the 80s or 90s, whenever they started testing for other drugs and cocaine and stuff, that there was one week where a couple of the top, 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 top quarterbacks, we don't need to mention names, but people can figure out 80s, 90s, who were the top quarterbacks, had tested positive for cocaine, and the league office said, Okay, well, and just put it in the garbage because and then gave the guys a verbal warning. That was always an urban legend because you can't, you know, because they didn't want to boot 
the faces of the league. This is very similar to that, that they just stonewalled, obfuscated for one of the faces of the league and didn't treat him the same. And it's differential treatment. Is it preferential treatment? That's another, uh, you know, which is with semantics here. But it's, it's, I guess there's nothing new to treating one of the faces of your brand differently. This is a massive story. It's a massive story because it deals with entitlement. Yep. Period. So when I bring it back to the Tennessee Titans, the New Orleans Saints, and the Raiders, when they had John Gruden was fined $150,000. Follow me here. As he was vaccinated and his, his gator around his face, he was wearing a bandana and he kept falling off and he didn't put it back on. Remember that? Yep. So he's on the sideline as a vaccinated coach, not proper guidelines. He was, he was fined $150,000. How do I know? Because I talked to him about it on and off the record. Okay, so I know that story. Uh, there were a bunch of players that went to a charity event when COVID started over a year ago for Darren Waller of the Raiders. They didn't wear their mask. The organization was fined massive money. Tennessee had an outbreak, massive money. So here's the star of the league, the reigning MVP, who broke the rules knowingly. Like, just like Barry Bonds <clears throat> knowingly took performance-enhancing right. drugs. It wasn't a mistake. What do you think the league's going to do here? I'll go first. There's got to be a fine against the Packers that's massive. Million dollars, 500000 whatever it is. Then there becomes a suspension because Rodgers isn't vaccinated, so he can't play against Kansas City this Sunday, and he could still be in protocol the following week because he's got to wait till that window expires because he's not vaccinated. If he was vaccinated, he could play this Sunday. All he needs is two negative tests back-to-back. So what do you think the league and Roger Goodell, Tom, need to do to send a message so the rest of the league doesn't say, oh, I don't need to wear a mask in a building. Aaron didn't. Well, will he be treated the same as, you know, the starting guard or a backup guard uh, for the Cleveland Browns? And probably not. So it, it, it is a good question, one I can't answer. I think he's going to still get some more preferential treatment. Uh, do you? I think that the league, because of the Washington football team drama, the investigation, which is a cover-up, mm-hmm. and they're not releasing anything, has right. that as point number one. That's the, that's the earthquake forest fire they're dealing with. Right. Now this comes in second because we don't have Mahomes versus Rodgers. It affects Fox, that broadcast. It affects right. everything in the ratings. They got a big problem on their hands. They got to come down. I wouldn't suspend them. I wouldn't suspend them. I, I, I would just, uh-huh. find, I'd just find them big. I'd find the Packers, but you have to do this because it's about transparency, the optics, words we use a lot. And Aaron Rodgers knew exactly what he was doing. He still believes he's the smartest guy in the room. He thinks he's smarter than Tom Looney. He thinks he could use a play on words. He knew exactly what he was doing coming out of that press conference where he said in the hallway and he smiled. Yeah, yeah, I got him. They didn't follow up. They didn't follow up with the COVID question. I'm good now. And then the organization protected him inside the building. And, you know, it's for us to figure out. Well, one thing that you and I have in common here, and and, and I I know this is difficult territory and everybody's stories about their relationships are different. But you and I just over and over again, including today, continually talk about so many of the same friends we've had since kindergarten. 
and know each other's friends, have met each other's friends that we've known all our lives. We think of friends as necessities, not accessories like rims on a car. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't get along, doesn't isn't sentimental about his childhood home because he doesn't go there because he doesn't get along with his family. And I'm always a little skeptical about people who don't get along with their family. And sometimes it's the family's fault. I understand that. But I, I, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I've always been skeptical of because of that reason, not getting along with his brother. It would kill me. I want it would kill me if I didn't get along with my brother. Well, I, I would I, agree with you because I, I think this has to do. I like to blame the crazy fiance. I like to blame the Kardashian. Right. I can't believe that Courtney Kardashian, my favorite of all of them now has broken up the family and going with the drummer Travis. And I'm like, wait a second. She was the only one I liked. She was the stable <laughs> one. She, she got rid of Scott Disick. That was a smart move. And she's going to marry some wall street executive or, or some other actor, you know, some famous actor. No, she's going to do that. The guy with the tattoos up his neck and the drummer and the, and the crazy guy in the past. So I, you know, this is Aaron Rodgers and his new fiance who got in his head and said, Shh, Let's go to Hawaii for months and do a yoga cleanse. Grow your hair out. Don't worry about your family. It's me and you. Don't worry about, let's do some herbal vaccine thing. <laughs> or let's, let's get immunized our way, the way we want to do it in Hollywood. I, I mean, I'm, I'm joking here, but he's well, he, he, and, he also used that word that drives you and I crazy. <clears throat> a word we don't want to hear from uh, anybody other than a scientist. We don't want to hear it from a football player or a talk show host. Well, I'm more pissed research. off. Research. Yeah, I'm more pissed off about that. The research. 90, I did my research. I have the number right in front of you. 94.7. If you want to round up to 95, 94.7% huh. of NFL players are vaccinated. Aaron Rodgers is not. The leader of the t- quarterback. The leader the M- of the team. The MVP and someone who cares about his teammates. Kevin Durant got vaccinated because he cares about his team. I don't know what he thinks about vaccinations. I have no idea. Right. But he knew he didn't want to sit out because of his teams. Kyrie is sitting out and letting his teammates down and has his vision of the vaccine or not. Aaron Rodgers, you are now officially Kyrie Irving. You are Kyrie Irving, different the way Kyrie handles it and talks about it. Aaron Rodgers, you are right there with Kyrie Irving. This will be a part of your legacy unless you quickly get vaccinated and explain to everyone what you meant to say and what you really said. Because if you think you're going to pull off this bullshit by it going away and the media not covering it, you might be right. But we're going to be talking about it on this podcast. And if you think he's nasty now and a little bit abrupt, abrupt with the uh, the media, <laughs> I can't wait for that first press conference. And it's not going to go well, and it's probably not going to end well, right? The first press conference after uh, the next win or loss by the Green Bay Packers. Oh, and one more thing about that in terms of football. We're not missing a big game. I, unfortunately, have seen almost every Kansas City Chief game this year. The Kansas City Chiefs stink. The Green Bay Packers are going to win that game no matter who's quarterback. Ooh. They can bring back Anthony Dillwig. <laughs> At quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, and they will win that game. Um, Patrick Mahomes is suffering from Joe Flacco-itis. For God. He's to play, he's play, to play football. football. Yes. <laughs> it's unbelievable. They are. And, and L.A. has been putting them on TV every week, which normally would seem like a good idea, right? Oh, 
they've been garbage. Excellent. Yeah. That's, got, that's got a lot of meat on that bone. It does. That does. AT says goodbye to Long Island or something yeah, like well, yeah, that. Yeah, I wrote some, some actually good, fun uh, promo ideas. Uh, yeah, what a week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can't. a lot happening out here. Yeah. So, yeah, but I'm going, I, to the, I'm going to the Stones on Saturday. Oh, and, wow. Where? where, where? At is Allegiant it? Stadium. Oh, yes. wow. That's right. You know, I, I was picturing T-Mobile, but I forgot. They play the big barn still like it's yeah, 1977. I, wow. Yeah, I think Canelo's fighting at the MGM, I believe. I think there's hockey. Um, so we have a lot going on out here. It's one of those oh, entertaining God. stress test weekends out here that we're happy about but i got more to tell you so uh i'll, I'll call you later i gotta start taping for the radio okay see yeah. wow wow thank you for listening to all 48 minutes and 22 seconds of the jt and looney podcast episode 106 powered by bet online thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.